right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo, joined by Anthony Pine of RT Sport Online, and we're going to be discussing the Ireland matches that took place over the last few days. So the 2-2 draw with Belgium at the Viva Stadium, and then followed by the 1-0 victory over Lithuania with Troy Parrott's late, late goal last night making the difference. And we are joined by former Republic of Ireland striker Stephen Elliott, uh, who is in his car, just like David Snade a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, Stephen, it's been a while. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well, thanks, Raf. Good stuff. And I presume you've kind of slept a little bit easier now after uh, Troy Parrott ended that game the way he did. Yeah, I, I just think it was it was kind of very important to get the win after, after the performance. I think Lithuania obviously came to frustrate the Irish team, and and they did did for a long time in the game. So to get get the win late on makes it that that little bit more sweeter. Yeah, and Anthony, I suppose from from our point of view, because I suppose we'll be we're, we kind of look at grand narratives and not to reuse that term that's come up uh, a fair bit over on this podcast over the last while. But the way that goal went in, I presume, does it change the script a little bit, regardless of the performance? Ah, it does. It naturally does, Raf. I mean, the, the thing around the the Stephen Kenny era is that it feels like every game has this weight of importance that maybe we haven't seen so much in the past. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, had Ireland drawn the game last night, I don't think there would have been. I really don't think that would have been of massive consequence. He made six changes. You know, you, you kind of lose a bit of fluidity when you do that. Some guys coming in, it's hard for them to gel. Um, but getting the win and, and the way that they got the win, uh, of course it helps. It helps now going into June. It, the fact that Troy Parrott got it, he's, he's, a, he's still only 20. You know, it feels like we've been talking about Troy for, for an age. But, um, you know, maybe that can spark something from him. We might see him bounce into June now and, and start to kick on his career. So it, it obviously helps. It wasn't uh, a classic. It was, it was fairly dour. It was frustrating. But look, it's, it's, it, it's another block of two games um, that Stephen Kenny can tick off that adds to this unbeaten run and he can take a lot more positives than negatives from it. And Stephen, in terms of the shift in mentality and not even so much the Lithuania game, because I think it was always expected we'd be on the front foot for that, but the Belgium game in the way it's approached, maybe com- compared to previous regimes, like I guess it was more on the counter just with the quality that Belgium have. But at the same time, the, the mentality is clearly different in the way they approach it, especially going forward. Yeah, I think so. Listen, Belgium made a lot of changes. We can't get uh, come too far away from that, but it was still a really strong Belgium team. And like you mentioned, they probably did have, have a lot more of the ball than the Irish team. But when Ireland did attack, they looked dangerous and they played on that front, front foot and a freedom and, they probably deserve the draw. And again, it's that mentality that we're talking about, kind of never give up attitude to keep going right into the kind of late late stages of the game. And it was a great goal by Alan Brown to get the equaliser and it was fully deserved. And again, that, that breeds confidence amongst the squad to kind of go out there against a team like Belgium, albeit with the changes and get a positive result. And it then obviously goes into the game um, last night. And I think there's a good feeling amongst the group now. And, and we've seen the celebrations on the ground late on last night. And, because the win came so late on, I think that even made, made the game, made, made people going away in the game feel that little bit better. Because like Anthony mentioned there, I don't think it would have been a disaster had Ireland drawn that game. But to win it in the 96-97 minute always makes that feel that little bit more sweeter. Yeah, in terms of breaking down teams like Lithuania, because it's always going to be a challenge. You know, they're, they, they set their banks and then it's that thing of trying to pick your way through. 
is the formation, you know, playing a three at the back against Lithuania at home, would that be something maybe you think they might look at an alternative for fixtures like that just to have different bodies around the field in different positions to move the whichever team it is, whether it's Lithuania yeah. or some, a team of that of, of that caliber and move that defense around? Yeah, I think so. I think probably teams looking at that game, like kind of some of the, the kind of better teams in Lithuania that Ireland will have to play in, in the qualifying games coming up. They'll probably look at the kind of Lithuanian kind of setup and, and seeing how they frustrated Ireland for a while. But I'm, I'm not too, con- I wouldn't be too massively concerned about the, the formation. I, w- I, I just think when we get to, get to a certain stage on the pitch, I felt like, listen, last night was an okay performance to a degree, but I just felt there was maybe in that kind of final tour, there was a little, all the movement was kind of a little bit in front of kind of li- the Lithuanian kind of blocks. Obviously, Keane, I don't want to come on here and kind of, called somebody else but I just felt Keane was a little bit static at times and I think I, I think we see when Troy Parra came on he was the first player to kind of try and make them little clever darts behind the kind of front I know there wasn't loads of space in behind the, the Lithuanian defence but there's still there's still kind of enough space to kind of make these little clever move, movements that drags the kind of shape the Lithuania out and causes a little bit of disruption, uh, disruption there for other players to kind of find space and I think I think when Troy Parra came on he, he made a massive difference and there was no coincidence that we started getting a little bit more attempts at goal and looking a little bit more like we were going to score in that game and yeah, I just think maybe that's something that we can look at rather than the total kind of change in formation, maybe little certain movements in the final tour to kind of disrupt kind of teams that have been been set up to kind of frustrate us but it's kind of learning about your players and who can come in and, and cause cause kind of, who, who can come in and kind of make a difference in in certain games where, where it may not be as kind of free-flowing as, as others obviously the Belgian game they had a lot of possession so it was a totally different style of game to, to what last night was so you, you got to have to kind of have ways of kind of managing each game or whatever game that whatever way it's set up and again formation wise I don't think it's a massive problem the way we were set up it's more kind of utilizing players and utilizing movements on the pitch to kind of help lock out uh, lock un- unlock kind of teams that will frustrate us yeah and I'm sure you follow league one quite closely just with Sunderland there at the moment and obviously Wigan are going quite well and Will Keane particularly is going particularly well in terms of goal scoring how do they tend to get the best out of him because I know he plays as a 10 more so than even leading the line sometimes yeah I think listen Wigan are flying this year in league one I've watched them a couple of times I've actually watched Will Keane play, uh, play a couple of times and they do okay he's very suited to their position they're, they're, they don't try and play as as much free-flowing football maybe as what what Ireland are trying to do at the moment and um I think he's, he's suited to that kind of he's suited to more probably that old school kind of four four two kind of somebody up there alongside him and and stuff but I, I just think he struggled a little bit last night just kind of Listen, he did he did okay. His touch was okay at times. But I just felt he was a little bit static at times. And when you're looking for a forward to kind of make these little little darts and movements, and I think Troy Para when he came on, he did that. And I think that's probably down to Troy Para playing in an MK Don side, who I've watched quite a bit of as well. And they play some nice football. They're they're kind of a bit of a total football team and he knows his role whether he, he's playing out on the wide side of a forward or right through the middle I think he's a little bit more it makes them movements a little bit more natural and it's, it's just one of them kind of again Stephen Kenny would have learned a lot from that last night about which players can come in and, and kind of suit his formations or, he, or, or his way of playing and that's why friendlies are there that's why you play these friendlies to try and fine tune your team and put your ideas across so when it comes to these games that matter not saying that friendlies don't matter, but like when the, the competitive games come along, you're more you're more ready for them. Yeah, and Anthony, in regards to Troy Parrott, I suppose it was fitting given how much talk there had been before the game about the role he was necessary he was going to play, and I suppose his development as well. Because Stephen Kenny had talked about him, 
and Troy Parrott himself had talked about sort of the penny dropping and realizing the amount of work that's needed to get to the top level. Yeah, and, and as Stephen alluded to there, what, what he did when he came on was he backed himself, you know, he took risks. I just think with Ireland, you know, I, I was looking back on the last times that we played Lithuania for a piece earlier this week, and that was the fifth time that Ireland have ever played Lithuania, and they've never beaten them by more than two goals. So you're, you're talking even in like the Charlton era back in 93, it was like 2-1 and like it's, it's always hard against these teams. Like They play very, very low, a low block. These played San Marino on Friday evening in front of about less than 2,000 people. Um, and it was the same for their last home game. Like they, They're not used to playing. Like This was a big deal for them. You know, It was a big game for them. So they obviously, the, the plan was very obvious. There was no ambition. It was just bodies behind the ball and make it hard for Ireland to break, break us down. And uh, Ireland could have done it a lot better. I think with Keane... Um, you know, he might actually better be better against a better side, someone like Will Keane. It's just when they're playing that deep, he didn't. He was struggling to get beyond them, and that's what Troy Parrott did when he came on. He took chances, he backed himself, he took players on, he tried things, and you can do that against sides like that. And Ireland are going to have to do that a little bit more against lesser teams because it's okay to lose the ball against a team like Lithuania. You're going to get it back. <laughs> like they, they were trying to counter even. They're really just trying to clear their lines. So we were probably just a little bit conservative. And I thought you could see that when Troy came on um, again, as, as Stephen touched on there, maybe he's just more used to playing in a, in, a, in a more fluid, progressive system and it suited him. He understood it a little bit better than, say, someone like Will, Will Keane. It was, it, was, it was his first, it was his debut last night. You know, he, he's going to need a little time to, to bed in as well. And he's probably a bit nervous too, like it's a big occasion for him. But uh, that really was a, a good night for Troy last night because we all, you now again, as I said, Troy, uh, Raph, he's 20. Now he's still so young that like you hope that he really can kick on and, and start to show what he can do in, in an Irish jersey. Um and that that was a that was a, a big moment for him and he he really did well when he came on. He really had a, a positive impact. Not for the first time. I think uh, the game against Andorra, if you remember, the friendly against Andorra. Yeah, Ireland, yeah. I remember Ireland went one nil down yeah. and, and they're struggling. And that wasn't a bad time for Stephen Kenny. It wasn't long after the Luxembourg defeat. And uh, Troy, I think, got a couple of goals that evening as well. So he's absolutely capable. Um, he's, he's such a talented player. He can have an impact at this level, and he should be having an impact at this level. So we hope this is the start to him starting to, to really progress. And Stephen, in regards to Troy Parrott at club level, as you said, he's doing really well um, in a very different role where he's sometimes out wide for MK Dons and sometimes through the middle and his position shifts and it, he seems to be benefiting, benefiting from it. But obviously he's still at the book, on the books at Tottenham. Where do you see him next season? Is it again another loan? Um, do you envisage maybe uh, Antonio Conte maybe trying to draft him into the Spurs squad at least for the first half of next season? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Raf. You, you're looking at the sports squad, it's it's going to be very difficult to kind of. You're thinking even now, it depends obviously what happens in the summer regarding transfers and stuff. Whether Harry Kane stays or or players come in, and, and probably a little bit to go on before we have a fully idea what's going to happen with Troy next year. But I do think worst case, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario for him to, to go off for another year alone. Like like uh, Andy mentioned, there, he's only 20 years of age, so he's still only a young pup, and he's probably had a lot of hype on his, on his shoulders from, from a, a fairly young age, which probably isn't the, the greatest thing at times for a young lad. You can kind of lose yourself a little bit at times. But yeah, maybe maybe going alone, maybe playing the championship next year. I know MK Dons have a really good 
good chance of getting promoted this year. They're, they're kind of uh, running down Wigan and Rodham for the automatic positions as well at the moment. So potentially there could be something there if, if, if MK decide to, to kind of, if they do get promoted and decide to keep them on at, at a championship level, that, that would be kind of another test for him again at a young age. So I don't think it's, I don't think it'd be a disaster for him to go on loan again next year and get some more regular football because I still whether he'd get the regular football now at Spurs what they have there now at the disposal it'd be surprising but I won't do him any harm to go out on loan again but again this this will give him confidence this this goal on, uh, last night a massive confidence going back to the club I, I think we have to look at the goal as well and I know we're talking about the impact but it's, it was the technical ability to score the goal there's not many players I don't think in that Ireland squad that, that would have that kind of technical ability to go and do that like when even his volley with the keeper saved not long before his goal was great technique and kind of that's 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 quality that's that's kind of quality that he has and I don't think there's many we're, we're not kind of privileged enough at the, uh, enough at the moment to have a lot of players in the Ireland squad that are capable of doing things like that so I think we have to be careful with him to kind of make sure that that he, he he's coming into the squad's confident because like like we seen last night he can be an absolute he could be an absolute diamond in this squad going forward and I think Stephen Kenny will be fully aware of that and he's, he's probably trying to be clever where I'm not starting the games at the moment with him being so young but oh, he, he seems to me that he has a kind of mature head on his shoulders when he speaks even after the game he, he speaks very well Troy and he, and he knows kind of well, what is needed for him so no it's it's an interesting one but regarding kind of even positional wise I think he, he's capable of playing through the middle and like he does at club level he can play a wide and that's another thing we, we're talking about Ogbeni who's done really well as well since he's come into the international setup again he's He's playing League One football, albeit in a different kind of formation than what, what Stephen Kenny is uh, utilising as. But he's somebody that I look at and I think he could potentially play through the middle himself kind of, as that kind of target man. As that target man, there's obviously Robinson there. I think we have got players that can play certain positions. Ogbeni, for me, he's, he's kind of got quick, he's pacey. The one thing I will say, he probably needs to be a little bit cleverer where he's movements in the box. He kind of sometimes you're watching his movements and he kind of ventures into them offside positions. And that, that'll take time. And obviously, he's never really played through the middle. So that'll take time. But I think, do think there's something there. Like we've seen, obviously, he had a couple of goals disallowed last night. And obviously, he wasn't offside. The second one was James McLean. But you're just looking at his movements, even there against the Belgian game a couple of times. He's, he's a little bit eager to kind of make that movement, which he doesn't have to because he has that pace and that kind of strength to get across players. But no, I think it's exciting times from an attacking sense or Ireland. And again, you have to give Stephen credit because he did Stephen Kenny credit because he did take a bit of stick at the start of his his regime. And listen, he still has a got the, he still has a lot to prove. Like obviously when it comes to the competitive games, but I think he's I think he'll go away from these last couple of games delighted with how things have gone. Yeah, I did want to mention Ogbené because obviously he's uh, he's become a bit of a cult hero figure, especially at the Viva with the with the home fans and. He could have had a couple of goals last night, as you said. He strayed offside a couple of times for those, but he's now scored three international goals in a short space of time. For from an Irish point of view, because at Rotherham he's playing often as a right wing back, but for Ireland he's obviously playing further forward, part of a two or a three in the forward line. Does he? Does the next move for him at club level? Does it have to be somewhere where he's necessarily going to be deployed in one of those three forward roles? Um, yeah, I think so. And I think that's something that as well, with Ogbeni, the type of player he is, I think he's he's more than capable of going at playing at a higher level. I think the way he plays, he's, he's physically strong enough, he's athletic. And I think he, he he's starting to kind of, you can see him there when he's playing, he's confident even early on in the game last night, he's picked up the ball 25 yards out and he's took a touch, he's had the shots, took a bit of a deflection, but that's all confidence. That's a belief in yourself that, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to kind of 
step on here and have a goal, have have a shot on goal and potentially score a goal. And that comes with, like you mentioned, scoring three goals in, in six international games. But he'll be going back to club level now and he, he'll be in a really strong position. I'm not too sure of his contract situation at Rotherham. I don't know whether he's got a year left, but I think he'll have I think he'll have a, a lot of clubs looking looking at his kind of potentially sign them, even potentially some Premier League clubs. That's 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 what I would be even thinking now with with the impact he's had on international football and his style of game. I think there's a lot of lot of teams in the Premier League that will that will, will be fully aware of him. I'm not saying he's definitely going to get a move to the Premier League. Obviously, championship clubs will be aware of him when playing that well. But I definitely I think he's club level. He needs to be playing in a, a more offensive role because we can see the damage he causes. I'm sure he's. He's capable of playing in that right wing back role because he's athleticism. But I think to get the best of him, he wants to be in and around in and around the box, scoring goals, creating opportunities, which we've seen him doing in Ireland. Short and listen, he'll be full of confidence. And I think Rodham again will be looking at that whether they they'll be able to offer him a contract, a new contract, or whether somebody else come in and pay a few bob from. I'm not sure, but his stock is really high at the moment, and it's it's just great that that he's a he's an Irish player. Yeah, in terms of the pecking order up front, then um, you have well, Ida still has to come back from from injury, but you have Robinson, Ogbene, Ida, Parrot, uh, Connolly, Keane, Hogan, Collins. Like, how do you think Stephen Kenny? Or like, what's the pecking order you think Stephen Kenny has for those at the moment? In terms of it's a, if it's a two or a three. Well, I think I think Callum Robinson is 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 uh, probably he plays if he is available. I think what he's done in in, in the game so far, he looks a real threat. He's got good experience now internationally as well and at club level and I think he's he's never let, let anybody down in, in an international show so he, he's definitely kind of one of the first names on the team she again you look at Troy Perra whether he'll play from the start most games and only still a young boy but it's interesting he's got options Stephen and I'm, I'm sure it's 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 very difficult when you're picking attacking players you're thinking who's going to affect certain games or or or, or it depends on again. It depends on who the op- opposition is as well. Like, if, like, like for instance, last night if you're playing against a team that really don't want to kind of do anything other than frustrate you, then you might have to have that little bit more kind of cleverness in and around the attacking areas. But like you say, if you're playing a better team that are willing to be a bit more expansive, then having a little bit more strength and pace up front and behind maybe more suited. So again, I think I'll be one of them. It depends on who are playing, but I do think Callum Robinson, him by him, he, he's definitely he'll definitely be the number one up there for me. Yeah, and Anthony, I suppose people were looking forward to maybe seeing Conor Ronan from St. Mirren, who's been playing well this season, and also Jimmy Dunn, who's been uh, playing really well as a defender there at QPR, and neither of them made it into the matchday squad against Lithuania. But this is this seems to be a policy from, for Stephen Kenny with new players coming in, uh, especially in this latter stage. He did the same with Jamie McGrath. I think Dan McDonald was making the point on, um, on Twitter, uh, Dan from the Irish Independent, and it just seems to be that's the way it's going to be. So maybe it's not till the Nations League we're necessarily going to see the likes of Ronan and Dunn and those sort of fringe players who haven't been capped yet. Yeah, no, that, that's that's right. And uh, I know I'd fully expect to see certainly Ronan. I, I think we will see him in future camps. And I guess like the logic is bring guys in. They're not you're not just throwing them in at the deep end, especially young players. You know they have time on their side. Bring them in, get them used to the camp. Uh, give them a taste of maybe uh, the system, what's expected, what they go through in training, patterns of play. I mean, that's when you look at Ireland now, there's there's very definitive patterns of play um, with and without the ball. So I guess, you know, I, I'm sort of assuming that the, the logic from Stephen Kenny's point of view is that the windows are they're still very short windows. And maybe there's a lot of information to sort of uh, hand over over three training sessions, four training sessions. 
So I think it's a very practical um, approach to it. Um, as I said, I, I definitely expect to see Conor Ronan back in that squad. And this look, this is an indication of how you know he has built depth. You know, in the, Stephen Kenny did stick his neck out and say he needed two campaigns. The last campaign was sort of um, built towards this one now, which is you know puts pressure on himself. But I suppose to, to his credit, like he he is building depth, and that takes time. You know, like it's not long ago that we wouldn't have looked at. We're talking about Stephen touched on the attacking players that we had. It's not that long ago that you would have looked at it and had Aaron Connolly. You're building your attack around Aaron Connolly, um, and before him, Abafemi was there was there was big hopes about him. So it's almost like you got to get on the train now and you got to take your chance when it comes because he's he's, he's building competition in all areas of the pitch. Like I thought, Nathan Collins last night was excellent at centre half. There was times when he you're talking about how to shake uh, teams that sit in a low block up. He's he's able to step out and, and very comfortable stepping out in defence and and maybe breaking lines and moving players around. Um, so I think Conor Rowland particularly will will get his chance, and I'm sure Jamie McGrath will get his chance again. I mean, he didn't even make the squad this time; he was left out because he's not playing. He's not he's at, he's at Wigan now, isn't he? So. And, and he hasn't played. And Stephen Kenny said, look, we really like him. He's done very well for us, but he's not playing. So, you know, as I said, it's like a moving train at the minute, which is which is very positive. Um, and we'll see. It's going to be really interesting, right, to see how this squad takes shape over the next few months. Because there's no... The Nations League, they are going to take that seriously. Stephen has said that from the start, that they're, they are competitive games um, where there's something at stake. You know, you can actually get promoted and, and have, there's tangible success at the end of it. So... Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things, uh, how he polishes it up and who makes it and who doesn't. But it's, that's good. You know, nobody should be able to rest on their laurels and just take for granted that they're going to get into the squad, let alone the team. And I think Ireland are getting to a point where that's becoming certainly more the case than it has been in the past. Yeah. And uh, just on that point, actually, Stephen, just uh, in regard to the goalkeepers then and what you can't take your place for granted. So Gavin Bazunu, I suppose, was unfortunate to miss both of these two friendlies, Cuevin Keller got his opportunity to play in a couple of games, having also been unfortunate this time last year when Bazunu was made number one because it, could, it probably wasn't either or at the time. Do you think these friendlies will have changed anything at all in terms of Stephen Kenny's thinking or is it really still Bazunu owns the shirt and it's it depends on his form and whether if it dips, then, then maybe Kelleher um, gets promoted? Yeah, it's, that's, that's an interesting one on the goalkeepers. Obviously, uh... Gavin Bazoon has done outstanding for Ireland. And you, you listen, every time every time he's played, he's always, he's always seemed to have kind of made some decent saves and been commanding. But Keller came in last night. The thing that uh, stuck struck me most about Keller last night was his distribution. He's so calm on the ball, never panics, and he, he always seems to find a green short, even if it's a short pass or a kind of longer pass or, or a really long pass. And again, he's very composed, but now it's it's Stephen Kenny. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be probably looking at that and just be grateful that he has two really top talents kind of to choose from. I think Gavin Bazuna, my 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 kind of take, kind of would would come back in as number one purely because of kind of his maybe that little bit more experience in competitive games and doing well in these competitive games. So I'd probably say he still has the edge at the moment, albeit in being the younger lad. But I just think we have to look at it from a kind of the, the, the bigger picture and say we've got a young lad, obviously he's on Manchester City's books. He's, he's on loan at the moment at Portsmouth doing 
tremendously well. We've got Cleveland Kelleher at Liverpool. And these like these are the two biggest clubs in uh, in England at the moment, like playing in, in the Premier League. And we've got two keepers there that are, are really well taught of at both these clubs. So I don't think that's a position that we have to worry about too much going forward. And as and like 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 we said, they're both really young lads, and especially as goalkeepers, you would say for the next kind of 10, 15 years at least, we should be okay in that position. And listen, you don't know, there should be somebody else that could come along and kind of challenge them too. But I, I think it's it's one of them. I think that's a position that we're quite quite kind of safe with, which is which is a great which is a great thing to have because obviously having a good goalkeeper is very important. You can't underestimate how important that, that is, as we've seen over the years, especially with the likes of Shea Given going back in a little bit longer, Packy Bonner. Do you know what I mean? We need a good goalkeeper because again, no matter how good we're playing, we're always going to have to be dependent on our goalkeeper if we're going to qualify for tournaments. Yeah, and one other change that did occur um, in the meantime was, of course, John Eustace, who has joined the uh, the coaching staff to replace Anthony Barry. Um, I was just doing a little bit of digging. Um, I think you played against him when you were at Wolves when he was at Stoke in about 2007. He came on as a sub, so I don't know how many times you would have faced yeah. him on the pitch. But uh, do you know? Do you do you know much? No, I probably reputation? would have played against him a, a few times when I from his Sunderland days, kind of playing in the Championship when he was out. I think he played at Watford as well, if I remember correctly. When I was at Sunderland, so I would have played against him. Yeah, he was. He was this kind of, uh, from what I remember him, he's a bit of a no-nonsense player. Do you know what I mean? Strong, kind of a little bit old school, but he's obviously come in. He, I think he, uh, from what if I if my kind of information is correct, I, I think he had a, I think he done some coaching badges with Anthony Barry. So maybe there was kind of some link there, where uh, Anthony gone away and he's probably recommended them. But listen, wherever it is, I know there's been a lot of change in the in the kind of coaching staff since Stevens come in and. It's never ideal that, but to be fair to Stephen, he, he kind of nothing, nothing's really changed on the pitch. That's kind of same philosophy seems to be there, and and that's a good thing, I think. And again, going back to your initial question about kind of, kind of, I think, um, Andy mentioned it there about lads resting on the laurels, kind of in the squad. I think that's that's the beauty of the, where we're at. Probably, obviously, we haven't got the kind of superstars in the kind of national team at the moment players playing at the really top level the likes of kind of Roy Keane Robbie Keane Damien Duff players like that Paul McGrath you go back a little before that we don't have these players playing at the top level anymore so what that kind of does it kind of there's a competitive edge to the squad there so because players there's no outstanding picks where you don't look and go he's definitely picked he's definitely that keeps players on their toes when they're playing international football when they're in around the squad maybe that keeps a level of kind of keeps the levels high in training and in the games and that's what we're probably seeing it's it's going to be very interesting to see what squads are picked you, you kind of you'd be, I'd be you'd be a brave man to kind of say this is the kind of squad of 23 24 players that's going to be picked for the next games there's always going to be kind of seven or eight that you're not totally sure of and I think that's a good thing for, for, from our point of view going forward that we have kind of players that can come in and suit the system and it's not always going to be the same players especially if there's injuries picked up suspensions I think that's a really good thing as well that Stephen has created and he should be given credit for that yeah and I think it also helps that the Ireland under 21s where Stephen Kenny was previously head coach have uh, are still producing players well players are still coming through and they're getting good results so last night winning 2-0 in Sweden I think you can't underestimate that at all so um, the manager Jim Crawford was speaking to RT Sport last night um, just after the results so we'll just listen to him very quickly and we'll come back off the back of it That was a fantastic victory and you know I, I certainly think we needed we needed to win today it's to give us a real opportunity to qualify in um, uh, in the group, you know, and, and I think everybody's saying Montenegro drew with Italy the other day and Sweden are a very good team. So to come here, you know, to win 2-0, keep a clean sheet and, you know, puts us in a real good position. It's in our hands now. You know, we have a game in hand against Sweden 
and we still have got to play Italy away. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's been a good day. Okay, so that is Jim Crawford, Ireland under twenty one manager after the two 0 win over Sweden. Now there are home games against Bosnia and Montenegro to come in June, and then. Uh, potentially pivotal final game against Italy away um, to finish the group. So, Anthony, in terms of what this means, I mean, I remember a few years ago, the Troy Parrott generation, um, to, just to call them that, went to Sweden, sorry, here in Tala. I mean, they, they won 4-1, um, which was a huge result, and we've seen a lot of them coming through. Like, we can't underestimate how big a result that was last night. It was a, it was a huge result, and... I mean, Jim Crawford has done a really good job. I mean, it, it, you mentioned that generation of it. There was a huge buzz around the, the under-21 team when Kenny was in charge because, you know, he was the uh, senior manager in waiting and there was a, a big spike in crowds to see how, he, you know, the style of play and all the rest and maybe the, the conveyor belt of talent coming along. But when, like, when you, you got to consider, Raph, last night... Um, not to even mention the likes of Bazunu, Kelleher... Uh, Jason Knight, Paris, Darrell Shea, Adamida, Michael Abafemi, like they're they're all eligible for the under 21s. I'm probably missing a few as well. Last night they were without Evan Ferguson, Bestie Ebisele, Will Smallbone, uh, Aaron Cashin, uh, who would be very strong players at that level, and they took out a win. Like it was a really, really good performance. They got their early goal. They're very well drilled. Um they looked <laughs> Sweden had a lot of the ball because they are a decent outfit themselves, Sweden. But um, bar a late penalty shout, there was a very big penalty shout late in that game for Sweden that definitely could have gone either way. That was probably the, the, the key moment in the, in the second half. Ireland got away with it and they got a late, a late second then to wrap it up. And that, that is a massive win because it gives them a real chance. And you can't, you really can't undersell the scale of the achievement if, if Jim Crawford gets that team to the to a major championships. They've never made it to a, a major championships and under twenty one level. Ireland haven't, um, and it's you know he does get shorn of very talented players along the qualification process. That's the nature of the job. Jim, be, he he'd be the first to say that and has said that many times. Like the success for him and and for the under twenty ones is to see the players request the senior level. That's what it's all about. And there's there's a very clear connection I think between the two squads now uh, a strong connection but it would still be brilliant It'd be brilliant for the likes of Lee O'Connor like who's, who's played a lot of games for the under 21s over the last couple of years you know you think that a guy like that deserves to, to get to a big tournament and, and to get to that sort of uh, stage uh, and we'll see they've given themselves a shot of a, certainly a playoff spot um, and yeah let, let fingers crossed them. it would be it really would be it would be a big deal and, and it would be a great achievement yeah, I suppose, Stephen, just on that point, because I know I remember like your under-21 team, most of you all, pretty much all made it into the, the senior team eventually. But just as like one person gets called up and then the next, was it was it a case of like, as you just see your peers getting called up, is it, do, you, do you kind of take encouragement from that? Yeah, definitely. I think if you, if you know that you're playing in the 21s and you're doing well at club level and you're doing well at the 21s, you know that. If some of the lads beforehand have been calling to the senior team, then you think, you know what, there's a pathway there for me. And it gives you that little bit more confidence when you come away. But I think I think what's happening there, I think there's a real kind of, like Andy mentioned there, there's a lot of young lads already playing in the senior team now that could kind of drop down and kind of play at that level still. And I think it reminds me a little bit, maybe not on the scale of what kind of happened in England with Gareth Southgate there when he was kind of looking after the, the younger lads and then he, he stepped up. And listen, I'm not saying we have the quality at our disposal what England have but maybe on a smaller scale there's a little bit of kind of 
mirroring that a little bit. And listen, it's it's taken a while for for even the English lads kind of now they're they're kind of really competing strongly in kind of world competitions, obviously semi-finals of World Cups and and kind of finals of the Euros there and and then last year, but. I just think it mirrors it a little bit and it reminds me a little bit what's going on there. So, fingers crossed, I'm not saying we're going to start qualifying for like European Championship finals or World Cup semi finals, but it might be something there where there's a pathway through. And, like you say, rather than one or two being kind of filtered in at a time, we're seeing a case where there's four or five coming in and having an impact as well. And I think if, if everybody's on the same hymn sheet and it, there's kind of a, a way of playing all the way through the kind of from the 21 straight into the, the senior team, I think that's that can only mean positive things going forward. And I think that's what Stephen has done. Like, I think he, he's looked at it from the outside when he wasn't there and thought, we need this kind of the change. We need something to change long-term. And like you mentioned there, he needs a couple of campaigns. And listen, he's, Stephen Kenny's took his criticism and he's took her and he, he's took it well. He's obviously, he's got his head down and got on with the job. And, and I'm hoping once the competitive games start, we're kind of starting to see the fruition of what his plan is. And, Again, it's it's it, it's very exciting times. I think if you're an Ireland supporter, I really I really think there's there's a there's a belief there now in the squad, and that's whether you're in the squad and you're not in the squad, and you get called back into the squad. Everybody knows what's required of them when they're playing for Ireland, and I think that's something that we didn't always have. Yeah, and there's definitely belief in the Ireland women's senior team as well. And coincidentally, they're also due to be playing in Sweden on the 12th of April in a huge qualifier. So it's the presumption of the World Cup qualifiers, the Irish team, Vera Powell's team, in a really good position at the moment. Second, Anthony, the squad is being named for that this week. Um, obviously, Savannah McCarthy is one of the people who will be missing out just due to an unfortunate injury picked up in the last few weeks. But in regards to what to expect in terms of squad, will it be largely continuity? Yeah, I think so. I think that the, the key question just would be around who would replace Savannah McCarthy in defence would probably be Diane Caldwell, which is a very experienced uh, operator, playing well for Manchester United in the Women's Super League as well. So Diane will probably come in there. It's a desperate shame for Savannah McCarthy because she's had a brilliant year. Like She's been outstanding for Ireland since she came in. She had a great game against Australia and the friendly win against Australia, which was a game that sort of... Um, it felt like it sparked uh, a good run for that team because they had a they had a long losing streak. Uh, Vera Paul was playing very high ranked teams because she felt that was the best way to develop her own side to play against quality. But as a result of that, Ireland lost I think maybe six or seven on the bounce, and now they've really they've, they've got the benefits of that. You've seen it in some of the games. They were unlucky against Sweden at home. They lost one nil. It was an own goal. Uh, it's this game in Gothenburg in a couple of weeks. It's a little bit of a free swing because Sweden basically have this game. Uh, sorry, they basically have this group one. I think actually, I think a point might might confirm it against Ireland that they'll be they'll have the group one. But the playoff spot was always the target for Ireland. Um, and they can lose in Sweden, and then if they win their last three games, that'll do it. Now there's a bit of doing in that. But, you know, Georgia away should be OK. And then they've got two huge games, Finland at home and Slovakia away, which will be tricky. But um, I, I don't think there'll be any major surprises in terms of the squad. I think they will set up very similar against Sweden to how they did uh, in Tallow, which was basically a 5-4-1. Um, and then they had a go in the last sort of five or ten minutes. Vera Pell said after that game, look, you can't open up against these. They're they're just they've too much quality. They're number two ranked in the world. I think they're they're excellent. Um, 
And so I would expect Ireland to acquit themselves well, but it's not the end of the world if they if they get beaten over there. It really, it was always going to come down to the to the games against Slovakia and Finland. They bet Georgia eleven 0 in Dublin, so that should be okay uh, away from home. Um, but yeah, there's another team that like are just desperate to get over the line and make that major tournament, you know. And they were unfortunate in the last campaign where it's, it went sour at the end. But this, yeah, this is a chance for them now. Rafa really is like they're in the mix. They've every opportunity. They're good enough to do it. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But and in the meantime, there are fixtures in the women's national league, which some of the squad will be involved in. So it'll be this Saturday at two o'clock, Shelburne versus Sligo Rovers, DLR Waves versus Atlone Town at four o'clock, and then there's three at five o'clock, P Mount United against Wexford, which is a huge fixture. Uh, Treaty United against Galway and then Cork City against Bohemians and then in the men's premier division uh, SSE or Tristan League Sligo Rovers are going to be playing Shelburne this Friday and then St. Pat's are up against Drada, Bohemians up against Derry City, Dundalk against UCD, they're all 7.45pm kickoffs and then there's Finn Harps against Shamrock Rovers at 8 o'clock so all very intriguing fixtures with the way the table is at the moment. Beforehand though, Peter Brannigan of RT Sport Online was speaking to UCD's Liam Kerrigan, so here's that interview. Bottom of the table at the moment, how have you found the league in comparison to what you thought it was going to be like? Is it similar to your expectations? Obviously you played a little bit before with Sligo, but uh, how have you found it so far this time around? Uh, I suppose we've not started the best, but uh, the performances are getting better, which is probably the main thing. You know, especially the Bulls game, the last day I thought, after 15 minutes, once we got uh, to grips with the game, we matched them, and I think we can take a bit of belief from that. But I suppose I kind of knew what to expect from the couple of years before with Sligo and even the first time or when I came up to UCD I know we got relegated but I was in the Premier Division for another couple of months so it's relatively what I expected and in terms of performances obviously you had Rovers away you had Pats away there I mean you obviously want to get points out every game but there may be not games you're targeting the home form seems to be keeping you going at the moment yeah I suppose every every game is pretty much a very tough game Um at home, I suppose we've not lost yet, so hopefully we can keep that up. But turn the draws into wins and start moving up the table, I suppose. And in terms of what Andy says to the lads and what he's kind of looking for, are you like? Do you have aims of where you want to finish? Is it a case of ninth position, eighth position, or higher, or or what do you? What way do you view it? Yeah, I think it, at the moment it's uh, take every game as it comes. I suppose we're not really looking at the table yet. You know, it's a long, long season. But um, I think it's more about performances at the moment and uh, getting used to the league. And I think we've had six games now, so we only have three points. But hopefully we're on an upward slope. And in terms of some of the lads he's brought in, obviously Eric Giro has been superb in defence. Uh, John, the other defender, has done well. Um, Dylan Duffy, of course, on the other side, he's kind of given you options as well. So how have they settled into the squad? How, what has it been like to have them? I know some of them were with the 19s yeah. last season, but what, what has it been like? Uh, I think the boys have gone on all right. I don't think we're the hardest group to come into. I know we're all young fellas, but relative, we're all relatively here for the same thing. Like everyone wants to push on UCD, like play their first team games and try push on, develop. So I think I think we make it easy enough for boys to settle in. And you mentioned, I suppose you touched on it there, but the uh, the idea of, of converting draws to victories. Obviously, the last day we get that draw with Bowes, we kind of were sitting in the commentary box thinking, you know, this is going to move us up the table. And then you get the other results for Drogheda and the results for uh, for Harps as well. So 
it's about maybe turning a couple of those into victories. That's the big thing. Yeah, big time. Them, a lot of them draws and even the losses, you'd be hoping to turn some losses into draws as well. If like you know, easier said than done, but that's what you'd be looking for. And I suppose you do kind of need results to go your way as well. But it's, it's early to be looking at that sort of stuff. You kind of need to look after yourself for now, anyways. Yeah, and speaking of yourself, how are you feeling with your own form um, in terms of how you played so far in the six games? Uh, I think I've done all right. Um, I suppose this is tougher than last year, and as I said, I expected it, but can only it can only get better. I suppose you're playing against better players every week, so hopefully it makes me better as well. And do you feel an element of responsibility? As you said, you've had your season in a bit in the Premier Division. Uh, how do you enjoy the role as being, I suppose, a leader in the team? Uh, I suppose I've played the... I think nearly every minute, I think it was taken off in the same pass game. I suppose you do kind of have to take a bit of responsibility when things aren't going too well. But I wouldn't be the loudest of players, but I'd hope uh, the, my actions would lead rather than shouting. All right, that is Liam Kerrigan chatting to Peter Brannigan ahead of this weekend's fixtures. So there are also fixtures in the first division at Lone Town against Bray Wanderers, also 7.45 on Friday, Galway. Cove Ramblers, Waterford versus uh, Longford, Wexford versus Cork City. Um, I suppose, Stephen, um, I guess you, you're kind of watching this from afar now uh, in terms of league. I know you're, you know, you'd know, you know uh, Tim Clancy, the same Pats manager, pretty well. But like, what have you made at the start of the league from uh, your vantage point? Yeah, I've watched a couple of the games on the Friday nights. And, the, and, and yeah, it's, 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 quite, it's quite open at the moment. You know what I mean? Teams are taking points off everybody. I've been quite impressed with Sligo Rovers, if I'm honest. Obviously, Derry have done well, but I don't know. I just think you, you, you're still thinking, looking at the squads. I think if you finish above Shamrock Rovers, I think over the course of the season, you'll be doing, you'll be in with a very good chance of winning the league. I think squad wise, they probably got the most strength and depth as well. But obviously, St. Pat's team has gone in the St. Pat's. He's got a decent squad there off the back of winning the winning the cup last year they'll be wanting to kind of go one better I, I, I think Sligo Rovers have been improving over the last couple of years I think Liam Buckley's done very well with them they've got a, they've got a good kind of way of playing and they've, they've, they've started off quite brightly so yeah it'll be an interesting kind of campaign this year I still think though Shamrock Rovers with the players they have and the, and the experience they have and obviously winning winning the league for the last couple of years I think they're the team to be still and yeah it, it just makes for a more entertaining and, I, and listen it's good to see the crowds are improving as well in the games I still think there's a lot of work to be done in the League of Ireland but it's definitely getting better and it's on the up and your two former clubs Drada and Shelburne uh, particularly with your former teammate Damien Duff in charge there what have you made of both of them? Yeah, I think um, I think they've done okay. Obviously, Damien's gone in and he, he he's trying to. It's management is new to him. I think he said that himself. He's he's learning a few things about himself. But I think they'll be okay over the course of the season. I think they they listen. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I think there'll be there's a few teams that will probably be in and around the kind of hoping to stay in the league. That'll be their initial aim. I think Drotter probably come into that one as well. Obviously, picked up a great result against Dundalk there a couple of weeks ago, but. I just think it's it's still early days. I think Raft, you know what I mean? Teams are kind of finding their feet, finding their way of playing, finding their, their kind of best starting eleven. So I think it'll be an it'll be an interesting kind of campaign. But I think Duffer, I, I don't know. I, I just I just look at Shelbourne and I think he, he's kind of it. There's a there's a squad play. There's a decent squad in there. I think once they click, they they'll they'll start picking up a bit bit more kind of wins regularly. But again, it could be it could be a long old season for. For Shelbourne and, and the likes of Drotter, then obviously Finn Harps are usually there or thereabouts and kind of them positions down the bottom of the table. But 
box and who knows anything can happen if you get a good run of results yeah and there's definitely a very very long way to go as well so before we can start making predictions about where teams end up but in the meantime also we have an interview with Lee Desmond so that went out on Monday um, obviously won the cup with St. Pat's uh, in November and then is now over in America with Sacramento Republic so I was chatting to him in depth and he was very honest and open about the move and uh, his own kind of experiences in the league and even going back to his time at Newcastle so that's on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts but I suppose one last thing there is the draw for the FIFA World Cup group stage which just I suppose adds to the sense that the World Cup is getting closer now it's a 5pm live on RT2 and RT player at 5 o'clock and we'll also have a live blog on RT.ie um, I don't know if you're going to be tuning in for that Stephen um, it's just basically balls being pulled out of uh, out of bowls and <laughs> things being uh, things being read out but uh, in terms of like your early tips for the World Cup we're a long way out obviously we can't pick Italy the European champions which is kind of crazy to talk about but um, who, if you were like whatever number of months we are out from it now, like who would you be kind of tipping at this point? I'd probably, I'd probably go Brazil at the moment. I think they're playing really well, pretty well. Obviously, another 4 0 will win for them last night, but I don't know. I think it's just been Brazilian. I think the weather, obviously, in Qatar will be hot, they'll be used to the weather. And it's been a while since they've won the World Cup. I think Brazil's a Brazil is everybody's second favorite team, so they, they'll probably be. The team I, I would probably root them for, and I, I would imagine they will go far as well this this uh, winter. Yeah, and Anthony, I suppose I'll throw that one at you too because uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd be thinking along the same lines as uh, Stephen. But look, you know, we may we may have seen a contender at the weekend. You know, when you consider that Belgium left like all their frontliners at home because the whole purpose of that was to build squad for the World Cup. All those guys who came in. We're auditioning to get into the squad. And when you look at like the quality of players like Tielemans and Batswai, and like they they've got a lot of good players. And it feels like, you know, we've been talking about Belgium, this golden age and the golden era for quite a while. Um, I'd expect them to go deep. And yeah, within Belgium, they they would expect to be one of the contenders. So I, I would say Brazil, but um dark horse, if you can call them that, Belgium. Yeah, you mentioned the heat there, Stephen. Just one final point before we let we let you go and kind of finish up. Um, I think you were part of that 2003 FIFA World Youth Championship squad, weren't you? Where you were playing out in the United Arab Emirates uh, around November and December. Um, what were the temperatures like? What was the I suppose the experience like in in that sense in terms of how you dealt with it? Yeah, it, it was different. That's for sure. Obviously. Um... It's, it's totally different to playing in Europe. Like the way it's more the uh, humidity rather than the heat. Uh, Raf, when you're playing, you kind of you can catch catch your breath at times. The kind of the pace of the game is a little bit different as well. Because you can't listen if you're playing in that kind of humidity, you can't be held for leather for for 80, 90 minutes. You you kind of have to manage your kind of attacks and and the way you're playing. And that's why I just listen. England, we can't we can't look too far from England because they've been they've done really well in the past two tournaments. But I just think. They've missed the kind of not. They've missed the boat a little bit. With with they probably should have. I think they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't win the European Championships at Wembley in the summer. I think for a few tweaks here and there, they probably should have beaten Italy. But I, I just think the the winners of this tournament are going to be. I don't. I don't see the winners of this World Cup coming from Europe, and that's probably why I look at the Brazilian team. I just think the squad of players they have, and I, I don't know. I just have a feeling. I have a sneaky feeling that. It will come from kind of one of these countries that are used to playing in, in kind of the hot weathers because again that that'll have a, a big kind of say about how the games are gonna gonna be played out. 
Yeah, and I think Brazil won that tournament, uh, if I recall, the one that you were playing in. So it would kind of be coincidental in that in that in that kind of form as well. But anyway, I think that brings us to an end. So Stephen Elliott, thanks a million for uh, joining us. We'll be back next Monday. Anthony Pine, uh, thanks for coming on as well. Thanks.